One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. Hello, and welcome to another episode of It's a Streamable Life. This is Lauren with Brandon, and we will be chronicling entertainment in a... I messed that all up. Anywho, today is October 27th. What happened today in history? All right. Um, we got a little bit more things happened than uh, than the last couple of weeks. So um, in television and film history, uh, Walt Disney's first TV show, Disneyland, premiered on this date on, on ABC in 1954. So it's kind of crazy to see where Disney was and all that it is now. So, um, uh, Rebel Without a Cause with James Dean and Natalie Wood was released on this day in 1955, a huge film and still popular. Um, E.T., I thought this was interesting, E.T. was released on home video on this day in 1988, and it had 14 million pre-sales before it came out. And that's, I mean, oh people, were, that's what I'm saying. And that, I mean, that's, uh, that's VHS. So that's, that's nuts yeah. to think about that. But, um. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and music, uh, just one thing, but kind of notable because of how popular the song is. Um, ben E. King recorded his uh, famous Stand By Me song on this day in 1960, and it's been in hundreds of movies ever since. So, Right, right. Yeah. But yeah. All righty. I'll try this again. Welcome to another episode of A Stream of Life, Chronicling Entertainment in a Peak. And we'll go <laughs> to the headlines. I don't like it at all. Probably all day. Um, we'll start with the bottom and go up. We have a sort of a big headline here to talk about. But first up, I read where um, popular cop procedural Chicago PD will be exploring police brutality and racism in its eighth season. Okay. Um, the lead actor who plays Captain Boyd, Jason Bade, I think his name is, said yeah. he's really looking forward to sort of dissecting these issues as they're being reflected, you know, in real life right. uh, on the show. And he said they have advisors and things to sort of discuss how to do it properly. So that should yeah. be because that show set in Chicago really has right. a lot of, you know, a, I mean, it's realistic, but most, most, the most cases, the criminals are black, the police are yeah. white. There's a lot of sneaky things going on the police do, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they explore that narrative. Right, right. In some lighter news, um, I saw the Power Ranger movie reboot from mm -hmm. Eva Hasbro has typed Brian Edward Hill to write the screenplay. And uh, Brian Edward Hill just happens to be a black comic, film, and graphic novel writer. Yeah. So that's sort of like a big deal. Yeah, you, I saw the text you sent me. I just <laughs> I just forgot to answer back, but yeah, I read the uh, the article you sent. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize he was a writer for um, uh, Titans on DC Universe. He's one of the lead writers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if... I really ever expected the Power Rangers to still be around. Like I, I figured at some point they would die out, but they're all oh, good. They've managed 
yeah, they managed to to have a new iteration almost every year, or every yeah. few years. Um, Just like, first, uh, po- like Pokemon, like. Yeah, yeah, and they they are coming out with a new season like this year, and I saw a clip randomly like their their biggest thing is almost like the Marvel Universe. They always bring back you know Rangers from the past, so they had like the original Jason right. with all the Rangers and other rangers came and they had like a new goldar and it's just this is yeah. the same story but just reinvented and they still has large fans so yeah so. next up this should be interesting um unsolved mysteries which is being re- has been reviewed on netflix is going to enter into the podcast podcast game um with an accompanying accompanying podcast for the series so i'm mm. I'm the understanding that each episode will explore another unsolved uh, crime or happenstance. So that should be, should be good. Cause true crime really is in the podcasting world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, in casting news, Oscar Isaac has been said to be the lead in Disney Plus's series Moon Knight. Um, I don't know much. Don't know much about this character other than like he's a mercenary, yeah. and he wears like his white outfit with a hood. And it's supposed to be um, his newest iterations, like he's an Egyptian god hmm. or something. So yeah, I knew nothing about it at all until you sent me something. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but it's another big uh, star to lead a series on the streamer. They've got Tatiana Malzani to be She-Hulk. They're Looking forward to Samuel Jackson reprising Nick Fury for a series. Um, They're putting big money into that streamer. Um, And actually, Disney literally is pouring all their efforts into Disney Plus right now as the pandemic goes. So um, we'll see more to that platform, definitely. In our final headline story, uh, the biggest of the past week, um, Quibi, the quick bytes is that what that stands for i think so something like that yeah quick bytes uh streaming platform that was supposed to be this new innovative uh service on your phone to watch you know 10 to 15 minute episodes of shows um has died (laughs) (laughs) the um the creators um, basically have decided this and refers to be the last day for the failed platform. Um, between COVID sort of defeating the purpose of needing to watch something quickly on the go to there not being any streaming uh, capabilities for the cast on your TV or tablet right. and the pre-launch issues, I think they were just bound bound to for doom basically yeah and the whole setup just doesn't make sense like it's just i don't want to pay for that for 15 minute shows that's not something that would interest me right and and you're essentially you essentially just chopped up either a whole episode or whole movie right second clips just no give it to me (laughs) i will say they did win some Emmys um, for some of the short form uh, content, but it'll be the, the last Emmys that they'll see. So, yeah. All right. 
it's really honestly the first real casualty of COVID when you think of, yeah, of, we've seen shows and whatnot fall off, but that's a, a big blow. All right, we're done with the headlines. We'll move right into trailer things here, where we discuss new trailers for upcoming shows or films that we've seen. Um, first up, we got the first teaser for Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah. This looks pretty good. Yeah, it does. It, you know, you can always count on Disney when it comes to animated stuff, usually. I mean, they, they don't really drop the ball there, so. Right. Um, and this film, um, stars uh kelly marie tran from uh, the star wars trilogy and um aquafina and tran plays raya a young um sort of guardian warrior who is on a quest to find the last dragon to sort of save humanity where um like the five factions used to live in harmony now they're all divided right right last airbender type of feel to it but the trailer was beautiful yeah um next we had the selena trailer and this is for netflix's series about the late uh tuana music singer um i wasn't (laughs) yeah i wasn't really blown away i mean a lot of people are gonna watch it that's for sure but Mm -hmm. um it's just like okay, but the dude from Whatchamacallit's in it, I think. Um, oh, on my block, the uh, oh, uh, Smokey, I think he's in it. Okay. Yeah. I I saw maybe I didn't recognize him in there, but I did see um, the guy from Desperate Housewives. I can't think of his name, but he played. Yeah. Um, I just I I I agree. A lot of people will watch it, but. We got the movie. Yeah. And that sort of summed it up. I think it would have been better if it was like a documentary or docu-series to sort of really get into into her life, speaking to family members and fans alike, just to sort of get a different side. Right. Side of her. But um hopefully it, it does well. It said it it's two parts. I don't know if that means like a few episodes now and then later more episodes, or if it's literally just yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Hopefully it's longer. Right. And then we have HBO's Crazy Not Insane. Now I didn't see this trailer, but I read the interview um uh Prisoners on Death Row. Yeah, it's uh the woman the woman's name is it kind of follows the psychiat the psychiatrist. Her name is um Dorothy Otnell Lewis and she kind of started the the program of identifying and charting and following serial killers and kind of mm-hmm. what makes them tick and so this i'm not sure how many parts it is but um that's what this documentary is about kind of just the rise of the study and everything that she had to go through oh, and wow. uh yeah it, it looks interesting because i mean she has all this the footage from the interviews with certain people and Mm -hmm. a lot of people that we don't know i mean we know the ted bundys and all that but this is more so like you know she she was busy so okay yeah 
Interesting. And when I forgot, I just realized I forgot, HBO has this uh, docu-series, four-part documentary coming out called The Middle Beach Murder. Yeah, yeah. No, that I think that's just on HBO Max. Okay, it might just be HBO Max. Okay. Yeah. Um, a son sort of investigating his mother's murder from 2010. Right. Um, and he, it, it, what makes it most um, uh, alluring is that it could be someone he knows. So he's doing these interviews with right. friends and potentially wiring up to sort of maybe catch a killer in the act. Well, not in the act, right. but red-handed. So um, another another true crime mystery there. And finally, Netflix released the first trailer for the George Clooney um, directed and starring film, The Midnight Sky. Yeah. Uh, this is like a science fiction family drama saga film where George Clooney and I believe his daughter perhaps. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. They're stranded on Earth, right? Yeah, it's like a apocalyptic um like they're in the arctic that's what i got from it so yeah i know it, it seems like people are dead like it's right. it's apocalyptic yeah yeah so they're straight on earth and his his uh, original mission was to sort of send a message back to like the space stations about yeah. earth's inability <clears throat> excuse me inability inhabitable um habitat basically and it's been years since then. Um, it also stars Felicia Jones, Felicity mm-hmm. Jones, uh, David Oyelowo, um, and uh, Kyle Chandler. Yeah. And they're like the space team that's sort of trying to get back in contact with him. It looks looks pretty good. Um, it looks like a mix of like action and family drama, which I hope merges well together. Yeah. And it's based off a novel, so hmm. uh, the the novel's called Good Morning Midnight. I, I've not read it, but um, I remember it coming out. It hmm. did pretty well, so. Yeah, and um, I'm with George Attach. It should be pretty. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, yeah. Netflix is definitely trying to keep the content. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, so that's our trailer of things. We'll now get into Binge Me Not, where we discuss the films and series we've been streaming here and there and everywhere, and whether we recommend to binge me, as in to watch it, or binge me not, or to pass. <laughs> so uh, for the TV side, you watched Cobra on PBS. Tell us about this. Yeah, now, I think I spoke about this earlier, a couple of weeks ago when it first started, but the show is based in the UK, and... Um, this kind of strange um, outer space disaster has happened where like the solar flares on the sun have thrown off all the electricity on earth. And so the UK and most of Europe is without power. And so you have this, you have a whole bunch of different things creating tension. You have that the prime minister's daughter is involved in a case where her best friend has died of an overdose and she's the one that supplied the drugs, but the young girl that died is black. The prime minister is white. And they're trying to say that the, the girl that passed away, the black girl 
bought the drugs on her own. So you have that story. You have a jail breakout where they're housing um, like violent criminals and some of them are immigrants. So you have that line where they're trying to blame all these immigrants and that turns into these people that are hungry and starving and living in the dark or just accusing random brown people of being violent criminals because one of the criminals broke out and raped a girl at a college. So it is so much and it, it's a lot. And it, you can tell it's a BBC show because on PBS and their masterpiece thing, they don't allow like swearing. You don't really get that. But there's a lot of bleeping out. There's a lot more heavier themes than you're used to seeing, but it, it's pretty decent. And it, it's just, um, it, there's, there's so many different storylines happening that it's hard to keep up with sometimes. But I think it is only going to be about six episodes. And I think I just finished episode four. So um, unfortunately, PBS streaming service is like the only way you'd be able to see it after it ends. But it's, it's, worth, it's worth checking out. I really like it. All righty. Yeah. I didn't really start any new shows. Yeah. I, had, I had the... Uh, gumption just do it but then i didn't so right, right. no concessions are little films here um and you can go ahead go first okay so last week for my um streaming for the weekend i said i was going to watch the film swallow and i did and it was it was good and it was a very deep film much deeper than what you get from just if you were to read a synopsis so like I said last week, this young woman is the young, well, she's like 30 something. Anyway, she's, she's pregnant and she's getting ready to have a baby. And um, she, she's married to a guy who's well off and their family pays for everything. And she's just a housewife. She doesn't work. And so that's one of the storylines. But as she gets further along in her pregnancy, she has the tendency to want to swallow like dangerous things. So we see her swallow, uh, she swallows a battery, um, a th- like a thumbtack, clothespin, very dangerous things like game pieces, marbles. And at one point, her stomach just really starts to act up and she has to go to the hospital and they start taking out. And so then she, we learn that she has this, um, I think it's a disease, but it's called pica or pica. And, and it's just, and it's literally what she has. It's the, the urge to want to eat dangerous things but then through that she starts to go to a therapist and that starts to break down and we learn more about her family and so she herself is is obviously pregnant and the baby she really doesn't want it because she really wants to figure out who she is and she doesn't want to be just a housewife her whole life but we find out that she is a child of rape she was her mother was raped and gave birth to her and her actual um well, her mother's husband, which wouldn't be her biological father, um, couldn't really deal with that. So he left the family and she finds him towards the end of the film and they have kind of like this emotional talk. And then she goes and she has, uh, uh, she, she got pills from the doctor and she, she has an abortion in a mall bathroom and it, it, it's a, it's a lot. And, all of that I just said doesn't even cover it, but it's it's definitely worth checking out. And then the next one is real short. This was the remake of Rebecca starring uh, Lily James and uh, Army Hammer. And um, 
it's not good. Army Hammer's accent is so goddamn distracting. It's just, it's not worth it. Don't watch it if you don't need to. <laughs> yeah, I heard people say it was terrible. Oh, it's bad. It's so bad. All right, so that's one binge me and one binge me not. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's see. I watched <clears throat> one of the... Um, uh bloom house presents or welcome to bloom house horror films on amazon prime uh black box which starred um i'm going to mispronounce his name hold on i was trying to put in my google translate but i ran to yeah. mimaldu Afi. yeah <clears throat> he's been a lot of stuff lately yes he is and he just got booked for another uh horror series um, stars him as a young man who is recuperating from a tragic car accident that uh, takes his wife and um, he's suffering with amnesia so his daughter is, is literally like helping him to do daily tasks um, reminding him to pick her up from school yeah. uh, just, just the simple things and his doctor friend decides suggests to him after going through a bunch of specialists and everything to um, to go to this Dr. Brooks, played by Felicia Rashad, and um, for this new experimental test to do. And um, basically, it's like a hypnosis type thing where he goes to some conscious and tries to sort of reconnect with the, his repressed memories. Mm -hmm. And during that process, he discovers something isn't right. And the memories that he's seen aren't exactly his. So mm -hmm. it goes deeper into what's going on. Um, and it's a really powerful message near the end, which I wasn't um, expecting. There, was, there were literally some moments where I was wiping like little tears because it was impactful for a horror film. Right, right. A, a slice of family drama in there. Um, it's def it was definitely good. So that was just one of the four films on there. Mm -hmm. Then I went to Netflix and watched um, the um, Glenn King film, Over the Moon. Um, yeah. has an all-Asian cast, which includes Sandra Oh, John Cho, Philippa So, and the young girl's name was um, Christine Ng, I believe, that played Fei Fei. Mm. She's a young actress. Um, and Fei-Fei is a young girl growing up with her mother and father, and um, they just share um, so many uh, moments in their life, um, especially around, they have like a little um, uh, storefront where they sell mooncakes. And she always told her this tale of uh, a woman who ended up living on the moon after she uh, chose to keep this amulet that gave her immortality. Um, and she was supposed to share the other half with her, her husband, her love, but he, he didn't get it. She chose both of them and he ends up dying. So she's, she's perpetually living on the moon, perpetually living on the moon, waiting to be reunited with him. And, um, early on, um, the mother dies of a, a illness and, um, Fei Fei just can't deal with these changes, especially when her father is starting to date and want to introduce this new woman to her life. So she feels like her father is forgetting her mother and forgetting the way things used to be. And she thinks if I can prove that 
you know, the fairy tale is true and go to the moon, then, then he won't change everything. And he will remember my mom, remember the way life used to be. So yeah. she's, she's like this kid scientist and figures out how to make a rocket ship. And she goes to the moon <laughs> and it's just a wonderful little film. The music yeah. is outstanding. I wouldn't expect the music to be that great. I mean, she's really good. So I did mm-hmm. it out. It's really fun. And lastly, I watched Hulu's Bad Hair. This is from um, Justin Simeon, the director, the creator and director of Dear White People, the movie. Yeah. Uh, There's a horror film set in the 80s. Um, a woman works at a BET-esque network called Culture, and they're being basically being bought out and being transformed to look more mainstream. And yeah. one of the <laughs> suggestions to her to sort of succeed is to get a weave. <laughs> um, so she wants this job. She wants to work for them because she has great ideas. So she decides to get this weave from this salon, real upscale salon. Um, even like um, the sort of superstar musical artist played by Kelly Rowland in the film goes to this salon. So she, go, she goes and gets the weave. And suddenly, you know, she's the producer for a show and things are going great, but it turns out the hair is possessed or demonic and it needs blood to stay looking fresh. So, wow, that's intense. Yeah, it starts killing people. Um, it was not very good. It, yeah. It, it, it had great campy elements and I kind of wish it stayed there because then it tried to get into like a deeper message about slavery and white people and it just kind of got just, muddled. Yeah, yeah. It went one or the other because it's supposed to be like a, a satire horror film. Um, but it was entertaining. So, okay. yeah. But it's a binge me not. The other two are, are binge me. They're pretty good. All right. Alrighty, and we'll get into our NLP segment here, where we discuss the shows we're watching week by week. Um, let's first start with, I forget which episode this was, episode four? Yeah. Of the, yeah. Episode four of The Good Lord Bird, um, Showtime's adaptation of the James McBride novel about John Brown. Uh, this episode is entitled Smells Like Bear. And basically, John Brown is on the pursuit, him and Onion, to sort of um, scour funds and followers for his army as we inch closer to his planned attack on Harper's Ferry. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was pretty good. It, it was kind of like the last episode in the sense that um, we were once again in, in one setting for most of it. Mm-hmm. He was in these little churches and everything and giving these big speeches. But um, it, it was it, it was interesting to see him speak to the Black people. I thought that was good. And uh, just it, when you know the story of John Brown, you know that his end is close. So I'm, I'm curious as to what that will look like from... What, what we'll see from here on out. Right, right. Yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode too. Um, I thought they did a great job of um, portraying Onion's 
um, thought process of seeing how and confronting John on how he he's not free essentially. Right, right. Because as his companion, yes, they they've gone across the country and back into Canada, and whatnot. But he still, you know, sort of belongs to John. Um, yeah. According to American law, like he would he would die otherwise. Right. So I, I love that conversation, and John, you know, confessed up to not being able to see see that um, situation, and he was willing right. to be free, and he does. So that was good, and I I liked the introduction of Harriet Tubman. Um, yeah. That was a great moment, um, and, I, and I really enjoyed the comedy. It's it's never inappropriate or feels no. Like it's trying to downplay the, the things that's going on. Yeah, and it's never—I don't know how to say it. It's never like a—it's never—it's always pretty subtle. You have to be—you have to watch to catch the comedy. It's never just in your face, but right, it's always good. And I have to say, Ethan Hawke is my front runner for actor in limited series. Oh yeah, because he's—he's acting. Yeah, he's doing an amazing job. Whether whether it's the comedy or the like, the the emotional scene where he's setting Onion free, like right, so authentic. Um, he's doing a ama- an amazing job. Yeah, he he. Hopefully, hopefully it gets recognized this show because yeah. I was thinking I really wonder how many people are checking it out because even I was uh, until it came on I. I had almost forgotten about it, so. Yeah, yeah. Because um, there's just other stuff to watch and right, right. don't see. It's not like everyone's on Twitter going, hey, it's time for the Lord Bird. It's, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't have that feel. It's sort of like under the radar. But hopefully people catch it maybe once it all, all airs. I know a lot of people do the whole stream at once thing. Right, yeah. Right, and then we switch over to HBO for the first episode of David E. Kelly's The Undoing. Um, This stars, excuse me, Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant, a bunch of other people I recognize, don't know their name, Lily Rabe. Lily Rabe was in it, yeah. And of the big people, that's kind of all we got at this point. Right, right. Yeah. Um, So this is about infidelity, among high society. Yeah. Murder. Um, yes, murder, of course. This, this is big little lies on the opposite side of the country. Mm-hmm. Very. This is, that's what I got, even from just this first episode. Yeah, so um, for me, this episode, of course, it got better near the end as we get to the root of sort of the, the conflict. Right. That first 20 minutes or so, I was like, like oh, what is happening? Okay. Um, so Nicole plays, what is her name? What's her name? Oh, uh, Grace. That's right. Nicole yeah. plays Grace, a, a wealthy therapist. Um, who Grant plays her husband, who is an oncologist. They have a son who attends Reardon School, a $50,000 a year high school. Right. I'll let you know how rich these people are. Right. Um, and Grace encounters a young mother whose student is on scholarship at the school at a auctioneer committee meeting. Yeah. 
basically this committee of PTO moms, basically, who organize uh, events to raise funds for the school. Right. Um, and we can see first off, um, just at that scene, the class differences um, between them and Elena, who is the right, right. Um, <laughs> it, it was just really startling. Um, and even at the auction event, um, just some of the jokes they have. Yeah. The people, it's just the the wealth is just sort of unfathomable. Right, and they did a good job of capturing capturing just the the uncomfortable feeling like when she was breastfeeding her baby at their little pre-meeting and how they're just kind of looking at her and whatnot and then how the the talk happened after her after with lily rabe and um nicole kidman and yeah it it was just it it was strange it it was uncomfortable sometimes i guess i should say very uncomfortable and it just shows sort of that not mean girl but very just sort of high school mentality. That right, right. You'll have, you know, even as adults. Um, right. They sort of looked at her not as, not as human, but sort of like a condition, like, oh, she's right. right, right. And the, you know, it, but it's so hard to watch it. And I'm not sure how much of Big Little Lies you watch, but it, you've got the same makeup. You got the rich people. There's a dead body now. And in that um old girl oh what's her name oh my goodness the one in in big little lies that um what she had the son she was oh my god why is this is making me upset i'm watching it so i don't know what you're talking about oh god okay then that uh shailene woodley her character in big little lies is like this mother she's a single mother has a child she works like a normal job where these other women are super rich i'm just like this the 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 similarities are pretty glaring how did they get away with making this a show so i'm curious as to where this goes and if it if it differs at all yeah um so as we as we progress through the episode um we kind of got a foreshadowing beforehand that there something goes wrong with elena yeah Um, and it turns out she's been murdered in her studio. Her son walks upon her body because she um, didn't greet him that morning for school. Right. He usually catches the bus, but she wasn't there. Her, her His dad just said she went to the studio and didn't come back, but she does come back. So he we went to investigate and she's found, guess, bludgeoned to death severely. Yeah. Um, and the news sort of makes it rounds through the parents for at the school and the city and following to Grace. And she's a bit taken back because her and Atlanta shared some weird, brief, weird brief moments, I guess you'd say. Yeah, the, <laughs> the whatchamacallit was, the locker room was just funny because if you've ever been in the gym, the people <laughs> do not care. But, you know, yeah, like you said, she was completely nude in front of her. And then, but the moment they shared in the elevator seemed like a goodbye of sorts. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I I guess we have to keep watching to figure out what happened to her. But it's almost like she knew something right. was going to happen. Right. So so there's this 
odd sexual tension between the two. Yeah. And, and Grace may acknowledge it, but she seems pretty open-minded. She's yeah. not reflecting it or anything like that. Right. Um, actually, the only one that's being nice to Elena these times that they cross paths. Right. Um, but she's questioned by the police, of course, like the other mothers. Um, Say so she didn't know her, didn't know her well. She didn't know her husband well. Um, and they asked where her husband is, and she, oh, he's on a trip in Cleveland at an oncology conference. So she goes to call him. She's been calling him all day to sort of discuss what's happening, and it turns out he left his phone. Yeah, at home. At home. So she goes to call the hotel that he's at. She's not sure which Hyatt he's at, but he's at a Hyatt. Yeah. And she does not find him at any of the hotels in Cleveland. So now she's really just worried because he's not where he he's he's not where he is. He's not where he said he was going to be. She doesn't know if something's happened to him or right. lying or what. So that's where the episode sort of wraps up. I almost forgot Donald Sutherland is her father. Yeah, yeah Nicole Kidman's father, yeah. yeah. Well, we only saw a bit of him uh, in the first episode, but I guess he and the husband don't really see Get together, know. yeah. Yeah, and from the trailers and all the clips that they've been showing, he, he clearly plays a, a big role in this show, so yeah, yeah, we'll be seeing more of him. So we'll be, I guess, getting to the root of the mystery, um... As the episodes go on, of course, they suspect the husband. Yeah. Uh, you always expect the spouse, a foul play, but then you don't know where her husband's gone to. I don't really know what she's not omitting or confessing right. to. Because there, there seems to be some things just missing from, from her narrative of things. Right. Alrighty, that's been the NOT. We'll now get into our feature presentation where we had the duty of, well, the pleasure of watching um, Horror Noir, um, A History of Black Horror. And this is a documentary basically chronicling um, black horror films and black people as they pertain to the horror genre. Yeah. Um, it's based on the book by Robin R. Means Coleman. And it was directed by Xavier Burgeon. So basically, um, it, they just go down through history of film, specifically the horror genre, and mm. discuss um, black pioneers in the genre, um, why there's a lack of black people in horror films across the spectrum. Right. Uh, um, trailblazers in the genre and where we sort of are now with um, films like Get Out from Jordan Peele um, and things like that. Yeah. So what, um, for you, what stood out through the, th stood out in the movie? Um, I, th I think one thing that stood out was that First of all, how many of the movies I had seen that, you know, the bigger movies and I'd seen some of the black exploitation films, but I'd, I'd never seen the faces of the people that made them. And I think that was like, okay, well, you know, I, I guess I just, you know, I, for, for some reason you see all these movies and you see them multiple times, but directors kind of fall to 
the back sometimes. So that was uh, even that may not be a big thing, but I was like, okay, so that's who made this film. That's who made, you know, Candyman or such and such. And then um, uh, it it was also one of those things when they brought up a film like Candyman. It was like, like oh yeah, you know, I've seen that or Tales from the Hood and stuff like that. And so um, I'm a big horror fan, so I, I I was into it. I was really into it and kind of listening to what they had to say and um, when they hit on certain themes about, you know, uh, how they upended the final girl trope or uh, how we saw more black women through the nineties. It's like, Oh, you like, you know, when you think about it, yeah, you definitely did. So. Right. It was right. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, I'm not as big as a horror fan, yeah. but um, I really appreciated the knowledge from all the d- directors and actors. Um, it it yeah. wasn't really put, faces to particular films because these creators aren't really championed on a mainstream plane right um i never knew who directed uh like tales from the hood right and honestly it never occurred to me that it was a black person i just yeah that's a good point because like growing up movies I didn't really think of the directors and writers like that. You just think of the movie, but consciously you always assume, oh yeah, that's a white guy. Or you just, yeah, the default is some white person. Right, yeah. No, for sure. I I completely agree. Because I I think that's the best way to explain it. It's just, and I'm sure they hit on, you you really don't think of, or at least when we're growing up, you didn't think of black directors. Like even though the movie, it could be, black as hell but you'd be like no okay this is a white guy that did that like yeah 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 it's, it's kind of sad but that's right yeah the way it is um and i really enjoyed hearing from uh the people involved in the black rotation film just how hard they fought to to get the films that they did get because even with a black cast and everything there was still pushback on doing certain things to keep they keep it sort of authentic and even yeah, yeah. technique wise, like the way um, William Crane discussed how they weren't going to give him a high res camera so he could do the slow motion shot. Like, right. why not? Like, yeah, that's crazy. And then it, it came down to literally the day of, and then the camera showed up. Right. So it's just barriers just beyond like getting the f- film made, like you've got it made, but now you have to fight to do it the way you want to and to right. make quality and to fit your artistic vision. Um, it, it's crazy. Yeah. I also, like I had, of course I heard of the birth of a nation before, but the mere fact that this film was endorsed by the president at the time as like, yeah, as critical thought of the way life is, especially the way black people are was right. just daunting and, really speaks volumes of how deep-seated racism racism was in like all facets of american life yeah woodrow wilson was i don't know if he was the most racist president but he was very racist i remember learning about him in school and just being like what like <laughs> they voted for him like <laughs> yeah it's crazy um and i i really um admired um 
them speaking how um, black history is black horror. So I think yeah. a lot of times we people champion for like a black horror film that doesn't you know center on race or doesn't center right. on poverty or something like that. But so much of our life, real life, is a horror film in American history. So it's hard to separate those concepts from from the art form sometimes. Yeah. And um, there's just so much knowledge because I think when you get, you can you can tell the people that watch movies for fun and entertainment, then you can tell the people that study them because the way they were breaking down, they were breaking down movies I'd seen numerous times and had me like, wow, I really never recognized that. You know, just the, the certain tropes. And I think it's the thing if you get used to seeing something so much that you don't, um, you don't pay attention to it. But um, I, I don't think I really pay attention to the way that they made um, kind of black men kind of lust after white women. And, and I think maybe that had to do with my age when I was seeing these movies that I wouldn't have thought of that in that way. But, mm. um, you know, that came up a lot. And most yeah. of the time there, there were white people directing it. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, the certain tropes um, and stereotypes were deeply embedded. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with um, Night of the Living Dead, um, yeah. which until recently I had no idea a Black man was the lead. So, yeah. like, it didn't come to, come to my mind to watch it. But now I'm really interested in seeing this film. But because even for that time, 1968, how they right. discussed how that casting of Dwayne Jones sort of illustrated the rage black people had right. in the 60s, especially in that pivotal year with MLK's assassination, just him taking control and fighting, you know, white zombies and white people. Right. Um, that's that's a, a excellent parallel. And then of course, you know, he's murdered yeah. by a mob. Uh, is it because they thought he was a zombie or just because? Yeah, no, they they thought he was one of them. Um, I have that movie. I, I think I bought that a couple of years ago. But yeah, he just, he gets killed. The white mob is looking for zombies and he's just kind of out. And, yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, but it it's definitely good. volume to the the idea of black men being monstrous regardless, you know. Right they've got fangs or not and i also thought the whole um concept of like the monster era of horror how yeah. that was nation of black people i would have never right yeah that together i i just watched last maybe two nights ago because it's on tcm the creature from the black lagoon and i've seen that movie multiple times and i never person but then when you stop and think about everything they said in this documentary and it, it is the only in that movie there's no other people of color there's like a whole a, a crew of white people a white woman and then this monster that they trap and try to kill and uh it does like next time i watched it i'm definitely gonna watch that movie through a different lens just be like oh wow like this is mm-hmm. it's heavy yeah. um and then as we went through the years we get to the 80s where um you have the slasher sort of yeah. Rises of slasher, especially the teen slasher. So Jason and 
um, Freddy Krueger and everything. And the reputation representation is there, but again, we're the you know single character, sacrificial right. Negro, magical Negro. Yeah. Roles that don't really give us any depth or character development. Um, and I appreciate them speaking to those actors because yeah. uh, I've never seen them before, you know, and so many times if they have, you know, a Freddy reunion or anything to do with the film, they're not going to go ask Miguel Nunez Jr. about his role. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, um, so it, it it was good seeing those actors speak on their experience because we don't really see that. Right. Like, I had no clue Loretta Devine was in a horror film. I was like, what? Right, right. Because I've never, I remember Urban Legend coming out, but I don't remember any trailer with her. Yeah, um, yeah it's crazy how they get forgotten. And then um, the dude that was in I guess it was Dawn of the Dead, Dave Forey or whatever his name is. Uh, he was speaking with, uh, he talked with Keith David. Oh yeah, I know you're talking about, yeah. Um, I didn't realize that's the guy from Keenan and Kale. Yeah, his, uh, his name is like Ken Forey or something. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize that was the same actor. So, so that, cause I only know him as the dad from Keenan and Kale. Yeah, he's from here. Or at least he was born here in Indianapolis. Oh yeah, I see that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see. Like, I know actors have careers. Like, before I was here, but it's just awesome to see like them discuss all the things they've done. And he's been in quite a few horror movies, actually. Yeah, I think once you get in the horror kind of genre. You can be you can be set because the horror fans are pretty um, I don't know what's the word cult like so you know yeah. dude that plays Candyman he's set because oh yeah they, they could be like Candyman nineteen Candyman's like in the retirement home and people are gonna go nuts over it like it's yeah um what's his name uh, Tony Todd yeah. yeah Candyman was definitely a, a significant shift because mainstream hadn't had a black core villain or anti yeah. at all like um and it's it's legendary you know we know you say Candyman in the mirror and it's supposed to appear right and even then they still have sort of like the white woman black man right kind of trope yeah bro which is weird because he was like in if I'm not mistaken, it took place in like, uh, what's it called in Chicago? Cabrini Green? It was in the projects in Chicago, so. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing was like, she was supposed to be like the lost love he didn't have way back. Right, right. Who knows? So with the, this sort of uh, spiritual sequel that's supposed to come out next year with um, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, um, I think the tables will turn. So like, He'll be from the trailers, like it looks like Candyman's after those that are like gentrifying the area, and yeah, yeah, stuff like that. so that should be interesting. 
And then that brings us to the 2000s um, with Get Out and Jordan Peele sort of embarking a place where no Black had gone before by winning Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars. And I, it's hard to imagine the impact at the moment, but looking back now, Get Out was definitely like a pioneering film. Yeah. I mean, it's been what? two, three years? Yeah, 2016 or so. Yeah, they're going to be talking about that film in, in the way they talk about, you know, Hitchcock and or if you get closer to the thousands, like the way Blair Witch Project started, the found footage thing, just, you know, he, he did something big with that film. Yeah, and we've seen, you know, attempts to replicate that sort of what they call a social thriller, but... Yeah. It was a horror film centering like black horror things, you know, black right. black history, black horror. So we're just picking right. we're things from our lives and twisting them a bit. Right. And, and I think for horror, especially, that's the future because what 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 out there is scarier than real life right now? Real life is terrifying. You you can put ghosts and ghouls and zombies and all that shit in the movie and you're not gonna scare me, but you make some commentary on real life and it had an horror dash a dash of horror into it, then you know that that's good. That's I think that's where horror has to go right now because everything else is dead, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's always been like an underlining social commentary with yeah yeah horror films like every zombie film or show ever has sort of depicted the notion that, you know, humans right. are more monsters. Right, right. So you just take it to the next level and be like, okay, yes, humans are the monsters, but who are the most monstrous? Right, exactly. And you're centering, you know, this discussion that's been long overdue. And finally, with Black people, you know, behind the scenes, writing the script, shooting the film, we can tell it more accurately. Right. Respect that sort of hopefully changes some things or. And, and in that same vein about, you know, social commentary, that's why I was glad they spoke about Attack the Block because that's about poor kids on a council estate in the UK saving yeah. the day. You don't get that, you know? And, right. and then the girl with the gifts, the same thing, little black girl saves, well, she's the main character. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the girl with all the guests because yeah, it was really good. It was so good, and really, she she was the main character. And they say, you know, just like um, for Night of the Living Dead, they didn't write it as a black girl, but she came in and she killed the all She's the best. Yeah, and that's I mean that's great and all, but that doesn't always happen. No, like, people not enough. No, outside the norm of what they know. Right. And, so it was an excellent documentary and I'm really looking forward to sort of seeing some of these films yeah definitely Night of Living Dead and some of the 90s films I remember coming out like uh, Demon Knight with Jay Pinkett Smith yeah um, they, they didn't spend much time on it but they remember they mentioned Queen of the Dam and I remember that so like specifically, I remember the trailers. I remember the soundtrack was banging. I remember everything about it. It was just, mm-hmm. there was so much hype around that one. And I've never seen people under the stairs. Like I've heard 
Oh yeah. Like a hood classic or whatever, but I've never seen that. And I need to see East Bayou all the way through. Just leave your TV on BET for a couple of days. It'll pop up. Is <laughs> <laughs> they always show it? Yeah, perfect examples of black and horror. Like we've always been here, but right. we, we just like anything else, we've never been given the the proper way to to shine. And right. I think that's changing now with with films like Get Out, Us, um, even some of the minor films and series, you know, they're they're allowing black people in that space to sort of change the narrative. So hopefully um, we get more of it and it's good. Yeah. All right, that concludes our feature presentation. Before we get out of here, where are you shooting for the weekend? Okay, so I'm going to try to watch... Oh, first, I thought it was a movie. Uh, it's actually a series, but it's called The Queen's Gambit on... Uh, on Oh, God. Netflix. And it stars... I always mess up her name, but her name is Anya Taylor-Joy. And she's been in a couple of things, but it follows, she plays a young woman who's like a prodigy at chess. She's like incredible at chess, and she travels around the world, and she beats people in these tournaments. But she also has like some deep dark underlying issues that drive her to drink and um she has just you know these problems of dealing with the fame of what she does or being a young woman and so it looks pretty good and i've only seen good things about it so i'm excited to check that out yeah i definitely thought it was a movie too so i'm interested in how it will be a series how they go about it Okay, for me, um, Friday, The Mandalorian Season 2 drops. Okay. So I'm guessing they'll drop... They, it, it's been one episode of the week, so I'm guessing it'll just be one episode. But we'll be returning to a galaxy far, far away with um, The Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, and his quest to find suspicious legendary sorcerers to reunite Baby Yoda with them, which they're alluding to our Jedi. Um, mm. And then November 1st, HBO Max will finally get the rest of DC Universe's series. So um, okay. that whole DC Warner Media transition there. Um, I'll be tuning into the live action Titans and hopefully watch um, the third season of Young Justice. All right. Justice Outsiders, the animated series. So hoping to get some good stuff. Um, You can always listen to us every Wednesday on all major platforms. And for more content, follow us on our social media at AS Life Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter. Um, Always remember, keep streaming. All right, peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of It's a Streamable Life. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. And for more content, follow us on our socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at AS Life Podcast.